Welcome. Psalm 97 describes God acting as a powerful judge. In fact, the all-powerful judge. Yet his judgments are good news for his faithful people, those that love the Lord. Because for them, in verse 11 it says, light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England. I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the book of Psalms. Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 97, as we always do, verse by verse and word by word, seeking to understand its meaning. Psalm 97 begins in verse 1 with a bold declaration, the Lord reigneth, reigneth, rules as king. It's God who is king. Oh, many people think that they are great in this world. And there are no doubt spirits in the spirit world who imagine themselves to be great and powerful as indeed the devil does. But who truly reigns, who truly rules over this universe as king, it's God. And sometimes God acts in great power to show his authority, to show who he truly is. He was the creator of heaven and earth and he is its ruler. And in the days to come, when he establishes fully his rule over all things once again and the power of the devil is completely defeated, that will be a time of great rejoicing for all the people who are loyal to God. And so verse 1 declares, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice. Let the people on the earth be glad to see that this time when there is so much evil in the world has ended, to see God ruling in power. But let the earth rejoice now. Let the people in it rejoice now, even before the time when God has returned to rule, because the reality is that even now, even while there is this evil in the world, God has not lost his power. The verse continues, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Isles, it's a short word for islands. When we look it up in the Hebrew, it can mean the coasts, uh, the, the seashore. It really means the places where people live. Let all these places be glad across the world because God is the rightful ruler of all these places. God created heaven and earth and the whole of heaven and earth belongs absolutely to him. That's good news for people. It's good news for those people who've chosen God to be their God. It's good news 
for the people who are turning from evil and turning to the living God. But that good news can only be achieved by an act of judgment. An act of judgment against the evil things that are in this world. And of course, it's God who acts as the judge. In the ancient world, it was universally accepted that the king of a nation was its highest, most important judge. And people could appeal from lesser judges, from their ordinary local judges in their towns and cities, and they could appeal to the king, and the king's word was final. So it is with God. He acts as the ultimate judge. He is the true judge of all the earth. In fact, more than the earth, of the spirit world too. And now we see him coming as judge to carry out his judgments. Verse 2. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. We're starting a word picture now, a word picture that appears in a number of places in the book of Psalms and elsewhere in the Bible of God coming in a storm. This is God coming as judge, God coming in great power. And just as the world around us is totally changed by a storm, so it is when God comes. Think about the storm for a moment. The still air that is round us blows into fierce winds that can become so fierce that a person can't even stand up in them. I, I'm watching today as I record this talk and from time to time there are there are strong gusts of winds that shake our fences fiercely and threaten to bring them down. The wind is terrible in a storm. But what about the rain pouring down the places where we normally walk and are dry? We become absolutely drenched. And then lightning and thunder sounds and frightens us and terrifies us maybe even sets fire to a tree. Yes, a storm transforms the world around us. And so it is when God acts as judge, or when God acts in judgment. And how terrible for those who oppose God. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Oh, we read how the Israelites were led by a pillar of cloud by day and of fire by night through the desert where Moses led them by God's command. And then the cloud protected them and looked after them and kept them safe from the heat of the sun. But these clouds, these clouds that are round about God as he comes in judgment, don't bring the thought of anything pleasant. They are a warning to evil people of the terrible judgment that is about to happen. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. The habitation. 
It really means the place where a person lives, a person's habitation is his home. But for God's throne, for God's rule, the habitation of God's rule means where God has established or God has founded his rule. It's saying that God's rule as king is founded upon righteousness and judgment. In other words, he's established his rule on what is right, what is good, what is proper, what is real justice. He is not like the crooked ruler who establishes his throne based on bribery and trickery and statecraft and cruelty. No, God establishes his throne on righteousness and judgment, on justice and on right. And that is fierce. Fierce for the enemies of God. Verse 3, a fire goeth before him and burneth up his enemies round about. Yes, this is a judgment, a judgment against those who have chosen to be God's enemies. A judgment and a terrible judgment, a terrible punishment, like the punishment of a fire. And we see those fierce forest fires and we know how no one can escape from them and no one can get away as they burn with such ferocity. What stirred up these fires, is it not God's lightning? Verse 4, his lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and was trembled. Sorry, the earth saw and trembled. His lightnings enlightened the world. We see in a storm a flash of lightning and and we shake with fear, don't we? The whole sky seems to light up and brighten. And the earth is so afraid. Notice the contrast. Uh, in verse 1, the earth rejoices. In verse 4, the earth sees and trembles. And there's always this separation when God acts in judgment. He acts in judgment to save his faithful people and to bring to evil people the punishment that their evil acts deserve. And so it shouldn't surprise us if people tremble when others rejoice at what God is doing. Verse 5, the word picture becomes even more intense as the hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord. The hills, the mountains, the strong places on earth, the places that look most impressive and most powerful, and yet they melt like wax. Have you ever watched a candle as it burns and the candle wax in the heat suddenly loses all its substance? Or oh, before, the candle looked quite solid and quite firm, but only a little bit of heat is enough to make it pour away like liquid, almost like water. So God is present and God is acting in judgment and nothing, nothing can stand against him. Such power he has that even the hills melt 
like wax. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. At first glance, verse 5 seems to repeat itself. It says twice, at the presence of the Lord. But you look carefully, if you've got your King James Bible open there, at the repetition of those words and you'll see a difference. At the presence of the Lord, first time has the word for Lord in block capitals. At the presence of the Lord, the second time has the word for Lord in normal type with just the first letter L as a capital. What's happening? Well, Lord in block capitals is the way the King James Bible and virtually all Bible translations into English choose to express the most holy name of God, the name that we sometimes mispronounce in English as Jehovah. That is the name of God, the name that should only be used for the true God, the creator of heaven and earth. And so the first time it's saying, the hills melted like wax at the presence of the eternal God, the creator, the all-powerful God. But the second time it's saying something different. At the presence of the Lord of the whole earth, Lord there is a different Hebrew word. It's the word we use for a master, an employer, a ruler, an important and powerful person. This Lord, the Lord who is the eternal God, is also the Lord, the master of the whole earth. He claims authority over the whole of the earth. Verse 6. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. The heavens declare his righteousness. The heavens declare that God is right, that he is acting in a perfectly right and proper manner. And it's not this earth that declares it, this earth which has been so tainted by sin, which has got so confused as to what righteousness is and what is really right, that people don't know what is right. No, it's the heavens that declare God's righteousness. The heavens that confirm that God is truly right in every way. And all the people see his glory. And across the world, people see, see how great God is. See the honour due to him. See his perfection. See his splendour. See his wonder. All the people see his glory. Verse 7. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Confounded means ashamed. Let them be ashamed who serve graven images. Graven is... Well, it's a short form of the word we use today, engrave. Um, images that are cut from stone or maybe from wood, but images that are cut. Why are they cut? 
because these are the idols that people serve. They make them themselves from rocks, from stone, from metal, from wood images. And they, they bow down before those images and they pray to those images. Let them be ashamed. They've chosen false gods instead of the real one. They've chosen wood and stone and metal and precious things to save them when they cannot save themselves. They certainly, those images, cannot save the people who serve them from the power of the living God, the eternal God who made heaven and earth. And when he comes in judgment, let everyone who serves false gods be ashamed, especially those that boast themselves of idols, that are proud of their false gods, proud of their religion when their religion is something man-made. They've made it up themselves and they boast that they are powerful. They are utterly weak when God acts in power. And yet there's a reference here to Israel and the other nations, because Israel was the only nation whose official God was the true God, the real God, the God who made heaven and earth in all the other nations round about them. People served idols, people worshipped at graven images, and they were proud of these religions. They declared that their gods could save them from any god, even from Israel's God, even from the true God. So the psalm says, let them be confounded. Let them be ashamed for that proud boast of theirs, because now, now that the true God is acting against them, their idols can do nothing to help help them. Verse 7 concludes, Worship him, all ye gods. Worship the true and living God. The word for worship really means bow down. Show homage. Like the person who before a powerful king sees his power and knows their utter weakness, so lie face down on the floor before him. But who are these gods who must worship or, or bow down before the true and living God? Well, we've just been talking about graven images and idols. What about the spirits that lie behind these religions? What about the evil spirits that are really controlling those nations which serve those false gods or those idols? They could be called gods. The, the, these powerful forces in the spirit world, like the devil himself. And the declaration then must mean not worship him as we understand worship today, but submit yourself to him. Submit yourself because you are totally and utterly defeated. But that word for gods, it can mean people. Uh, not all people, of course. Powerful people. Leaders of armies. Judges. Rulers in government. Maybe they are 
the gods who this verse is speaking of. These powerful people, and then the declaration is, worship him, all you powerful people. You've, you've thought that you're powerful and that you're mighty and that you have great authority. You have none compared to the living God. So turn round, worship him, serve the true God. And we continue in verse 8, as we start here of Israel's people, of God's people, and their response to God acting in such power, Zion heard and was glad. Now, Zion really means a hill in Jerusalem, especially the hill where God's house, the temple, stood. Um, and of course, God's temple and the people worshipping in God's temple rejoice to hear that God is acting powerfully to save them from their enemies. But not just the temple or the people in the temple. No, Zion is being used as a wider term here because who worshipped at that temple? Well, it was people from all of Israel. That was a sacred place where people from all of Israel went to meet with God. Zion heard and was glad. So people across Israel are rejoicing. Those people who are loyal to the true God, they're rejoicing that God is saving them from their enemies. And maybe not just them. Maybe the Gentiles, the people from other nations, those of them who have turned their backs on evil acts, who've chosen that they too want to serve the Creator. Can they not too hear and be glad? The verse continues, And the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. Your judgments your decisions as to what is right, your decisions to act against the evil forces that have caused us so much trouble. But why, why is it the daughters of Judah who rejoice? Well, Judah was the name of a tribe, a family group in Israel. It became a very large family group. From it, King David came. From it, Jesus came. Uh, the daughters of Judah. At one level, this is a word picture. It's a word picture how after the success of a battle, the girls and young women would come out into the streets and sing and they would dance to celebrate victory over an, an enemy. And this is a word picture that's going on here. But there's a second level to this too, the daughters of Judah. It could mean the people of Judah, Judah's people. The people across Judah, across the southern part of Israel, are celebrating and are glad because of God's judgments. And it could even mean the daughters of Judah, the towns in Judah, just as if all those little towns were daughters of the mother city of Jerusalem and they're rejoicing 
So we're talking about this rejoicing, spreading out, starting at Zion, at God's house, the temple, spreading across Judah, spreading across the region as people hear the good news and celebrate what God has done, that God has shown his power to save them. Verse 9, for thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, Thou art exalted above all gods. Yes, now, God, you've shown your power and authority. You've shown that you rule, that you have taken the high position. In the past, evildoers had such power in this world. In the past, evildoers were acting against us, against God's people. But now you show your authority. You've taken a high position. You've shown that you rule and that thou art exalted far above all gods. Exalted, lifted up, lifted high up. We see now your true position. We thought maybe before that these false gods were very powerful. We thought maybe before that we didn't know whether God could defeat our enemies. We thought maybe in the past that powerful people and authoritative people were like gods and that they did rule in great authority. But now we know the truth because, Lord, thou art exalted far above all gods. And if the psalm had ended there, we would think that it was complete, wouldn't we? But there's a special bit at the end, a special bit for those people who serve God. We've heard about judgments. We've heard about the power of God. We've heard about God saving his people from their enemies. But there's good news for you. There's good news for you that love God even now. Even before the time when God's rule is fully established and every evil force is defeated, this psalm has a message for you who love God now. Verse 10. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Oh, you've chosen God as your God. You love him. Therefore, you can't accept any evil in your lives. Turn from evil totally. Give yourself totally to God. God is a powerful God. God will certainly save you from the evil forces that oppress you. So never turn to evil acts, to cruelty, to wrong things to defend yourselves. Are you not lovers of the true and living God who will certainly save you because he preserveth the souls of his saints. He rescues, he looks after the souls. That could mean their lives, but it especially means the inner lives of God's people. He looks after them. He's going to make sure that they are safe through this life. And when they die, they will go to be with him in heaven. He's preserving their souls his saints, God's people, all of God's people, those people who've chosen to be kind and good and generous and behave 
as God himself behaves. That's the meaning of the word for saints there in the Hebrew language, the kind people. Yes, they've chosen to live by kindness. They hate evil. They hate cruelty. They hate oppression. They love God. They serve God faithfully. They serve him by doing what is right and good and kind and generous. And they are the people whom God delivers. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. The hand of the wicked really means the power of wicked people. Verse 11. Were you afraid, I wonder, of the darkness as God came in judgment in verse 2? Oh, God's people, the righteous people, those who, like God, love what is right and good. They don't need to fear the darkness because, look, even in this dark world, light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Light is sown for them like a seed is sown and scattered along a field. So in their pathway through life, the righteous find that light is sown. We speak of this dark world, meaning this evil place. And yet, even in this place, God scattered light for us. And we're going to reap harvest of light if we are truly God's people, if we truly choose to live in the way that God considers right, if we are upright in heart because gladness is sown for the upright in heart. In heart is describing heart attitudes, our true attitudes, our inner thoughts, our inner desires. If we desire to do what is right and good, then even through this world, even before God has fully established his rule, then we'll find that God has sown gladness for us to reap through our life. There'll be joy in serving Jesus, joy in living for God, joy in being faithful to him. And that's where this psalm ends in verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, be glad, be joyful, be happy. Be happy because of God's goodness. Give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Oh, you need to remember God is holy. He's pure. He's perfect. Everything he does is good and right. Remember that. Remember it often and give thanks to God for it. Give thanks to God for his perfect character. Because this is the God who saves you. This is the God who reigns. This is the God who will defeat every evil force that opposes the people of God. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. That's 333kjv at gmail.com. And now in closing, let me read you the whole of Psalm 97. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice. 
let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. Clouds and darkness surround about him, righteousness and just and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goeth before him, and burneth up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world, the earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. The heavens declare his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve graven images, that boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness.'